from the Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, and we talk about law enforcement news, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. Let me go ahead and introduce the crew to you guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. Uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaler, and all retired this evening. We have Chief John Newman, Captain Brett Bartlett, Corporal David D. Gresta, Officer Andrea Casal, and Producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys, for being on the show. Also, a shout-out to our sponsors. We have Gauls, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, tac-tote.com and we are fueled by bang energy so uh thanks to all those entities for helping make the show possible let's go ahead and start off with the uh cops and thank you ward on the uh, on the the last topic we were talking about guns and stuff excellent commentary on the second amendment um we're on uh policemag.com lawofficer.com and police tribune and we're covering um articles of reference to cops being charged fired suspended acquitted cleared and sued and so this very first one we're really covering mostly headlines maybe a little bit of detail but Brooklyn Center, um, we've uh, that's in Minnesota. They agreed to a three point two five million dollar settlement and a shooting death. The name of the person of the cop involved in this might surprise some people. So, yes, uh, the Brooklyn Center um, says that attorneys for the family of a man killed in 2021 when a Brooklyn Center police officer fired her handgun, thinking that she had drawn her taser, say the city's agreed to pay uh, three and a quarter million dollars in a settlement. Dante Wright was killed in April of 2021. So just over a year ago, when Officer Kim Potter mistakenly pulled her gun instead of her taser during a traffic stop, Potter was convicted of manslaughter last year and sentenced the two years so um that is that settlement and guys if there's any interjections just go ahead and pipe in i'm uh, looking at a word document you know while i'm going through the stuff uh gascon defense his treatment of a parolee who killed the El Monte police officers. You know, we've been talking about this for a week or two. So yes, the Los Angeles County District Attorney, George Gascon, uh, who has come under fire over the disposition of a 2021 criminal case against a man who fatally shot two El Monte police officers last week. He defended his office's handling of the matter on Tuesday, assisting the plea agreement that allowed the guy, the man, the bad guy, to avoid jail time was, quote, appropriate under the circumstances, unquote. Wow, I think he's got some gojones saying that one. Um, Chief John, did you want to add something on that? It's guys like him that will never embrace or recognize the importance of career criminal statutes, um, repeat offender statutes. His excuse was this guy didn't do anything violent or serious. He had some local or um, simple drug rips or something like that. He doesn't understand that they're not going to get any better. And it's people like that, that constantly bring victims to the criminal justice system. Shame on him. Thank you, Chief. Ward. Oh, underlining what the Chief just said, uh, I think it was Cascone who refuses to enforce the three, three strike law in California. And in, in fact, he's been sued by an association of uh, Los Angeles attorneys to force him to, to enforce that particular law, which, of course, deals with career uh, criminals. Thank you, Ward. All right, guys. And moving uh, moving along, we're still under the same topic. We got a former paramedic sentenced to, I had to throw this in. Sent, I know, David, I'm watching your eyes roll. So we have a former paramedic sentenced to 40 years in prison for raving patients in the back of an ambulance. So Jackson County, Mississippi, uh, this guy in the Mississippi coast pled guilty to sexually assaulting female patients in the back of an ambulance. James Lavelle Wally 
57 years old. He also admitted the following two children, ages six and seven, when the crimes occurred. As a result, sentenced Monday to 40 years in prison, according to the Sun-Herald. You just can't make this stuff up. Um, we've got a fired Leavenworth cop acquitted for shooting for the shooting death of Antonio Garcia. Um, so a now former Leavenworth police officer who fatally shot a man armed with a knife in 2017. He's found not guilty by a jury. Um, it's officer Matthew Harrington was acquitted of involuntary manslaughter on June the 8th in connection with the July 11th, 2017 fatal officer involved shooting a 47 year old Antonio Garcia. And this is according to the Associated Press. The acquittal comes on the heels of an earlier trial in April during which a jury deliberated for four and a half hours and they could not come to a decision according to the KCTV. And now lastly, we've got a judge acquits four Louisiana cops in the death of a man in custody. So uh, Shreveport police officers charged in the death of 44-year-old Tommy McLaughlin have been acquitted by a Louisiana judge. So that is the latest in reference to cops being charged, lawsuits, acquitted, all that good stuff. Um, if there's nobody or no comments left on any of that, we'll jump to our next topic then. And I've got a video that we're going to be covering. It's on LeoFerris.com and also on This Is Better on the Rumble channel. Police chief releases body cam of the officer-involved shooting that led to officer's arrest in Florida. And uh, we've also got Chief John Law's um, explanation of what happened during the video, too. So the body cam footage uh, is from the day after Christmas that involved Titusville police officer Joshua Payne and a 40-year-old named James Lowry, and it's been released. So Officer Payne responds to a call about a woman being violently assaulted uh, when he sees James Lowry, whose appearance is very, very similar to the suspect described uh, in the 911 call. So Payne was able to stop Lowry before he flees, leads to a foot pursuit, ends in 
Lowry dying after being shot in the head. So Payne was holding his taser in one hand, and that was in his right hand, and his firearm was in his left hand during the chase. He attempts to use his taser, doesn't work, and when Lowry jumps the gate, uh, it says that... um, he fires both his gun and his taser at the same time, according to the investigator. So Payne uh, finds himself in a tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving situation in which he violated department policy and acted outside the department training, according to the uh, city of Titusville. And following a uh, Florida Department of Law Enforcement investigation, 29-year-old officer Joshua Payne was arrested for manslaughter. So Lowry's family has retained a well-known civil rights attorney, Benjamin Crump, and he's saying that uh, we're encouraged that the state attorney, and it's the Brevard and Seminole County State attorney phil archer they're encouraged that his decision to file criminal charges against officer Payne for the deadly actions they're not going to start fighting for the you know fighting for conviction officer Payne targeted stalked tased and shot james in the back of the head despite the fact that he was not involved in the case and that was being investigated was not armed and was in no way threatening the officer of course they don't say anything about his uh failure to comply and taking off running from the officer which gave the officer no reason to think he wasn't involved officer Payne's actions as laid out in black and white in the affidavit were nothing short of criminal according to this you know um the family and this you know this attorney they hired so uh he goes to say, uh, Benjamin Crump Law says that nothing uh, will bring James back to his family and loved ones. We can only bring him a measure of justice by holding Officer Payne accountable. So according to the Chief's breakdown of this, it says Officer Payne resigned June the 1st this year, um, the day that he was charged with manslaughter, FDLE and the IA investigation. So that's a criminal and the administrative. They're both complete. Officer Payne deployed his taser five times over 45 seconds during the foot chase and uh but their policy says that the technique is not working. You need to change your tactics. He also did not transition from the fire from the taser to the firearm properly because he was had them both in his hands at the same time. And uh, he talks about non-compliance by the victim that I just mentioned, and saying that the victim contributed to his own uh, own you know death, which I have to agree with. So Captain Bartlett, the floor is yours. You got five minutes. Well, Benjamin Grant is a is a race pimp. Um, okay. So he's just, he's just he's an ambulance chaser. But people shouldn't have a, a taser in one hand and then the gun in the other, because when you pull the trigger on one, you'll pull the trigger on the other. And you know your point's been made in this video, so well well taken, uh, Attorney Ward. I can't I can't really figure out what happened here. Um, I will say that if he discharged the taser at the same time as the gun. I guess one way of looking at it is, is, is that a taser is less than lethal. That indicates he did not need to use a gun, but he did. And th- this is evidence against him. But, but maybe it was some accidental shooting with the, with the gun. I just, don't, I just don't understand it. Uh, I appreciate the point that he thought this was the bad guy. The bad guy committed a violent crime, which gives him some basis for for using lethal force, but I think that the um, the fact that he used the taser rather than the gun six times, five times it allegedly didn't work, or apparently didn't work, and then one time, I don't know what happened the sixth time, but it, it kind of indicates that he did not need to use a gun. Well, in watching the press con- or the uh, the chief talk, um, what I got from it, Ward, was that the um, the chief said that it was the the lethal force was completely justified. It's just they jammed him up for policy violations uh, for things like having the taser and the firearm. Like Brett just explained, you pull the trigger on one, it's very easy to pull the trigger on the other. Um, so even though um, he might have been uh, justified, they 
jam them up for the policy violations for all those things that I that I just went through. Um, I and also situations can escalate. So you may start off having a situation that lethal force is not justified, but it escalates to the point, you know, to where, you know, to where it is. So I, I think that the guy, from what I understood was justified in the chief's mind, they just got rid of him because of the policy violations. And there were numerous violations. But, but it didn't escalate here after he used the laser. I, I mean, the taser, what, what was the escalation? And the fact that he shot him at the same time he used the taser indicates that he didn't think the gun was necessary, I guess. Well, if you have your if you have your gun and a taser pointed and you pull the you're going to fire the gun, like Brett just said, you're going to pull the trigger on the taser too. So it doesn't mean that. It means that it could easily mean that he was shooting the firearm, but he just discharged the taser at the same time. Same thing could well, happen if you're going to pull the taser. What was the escalation after he tried to use a taser five times? He was re- he he was reaching for something, and he asked him. Well, yelled at him, ordered him not to. I didn't like the shoot. Rose, I mean, I don't think there was enough on the video for us to say, oh, my God. So I, I, what you saw the chief doing is, you know, laying the groundwork to distance himself and his department's liability from the officer. But I don't think it rose to manslaughter. They admitted that he had a right to stop him. He reached into something. He ordered him not to. He pulled his hand out. They wanted to be in dope in that bag. But you really couldn't see much of that in the video. So I'd be interested to see what the officer's interview, if he gave it at all, said as to what his threat assessment was. But, you know, they they moved on this pretty quickly. If there's nobody else, I can move on. Ward, change your mind? Okay. Uh, let's get to our next topic then. Thanks, guys, for throwing that in. I got another video, leoferris.com, and this is Butter on the Rumble channel. A full body cam video is released in Idaho shooting of a man with a knife. Hi, Michael. Show me your hands. Show me your hands, Michael. 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 Drop the knife. Drop the knife. Clearwater 2015, we got one at gunpoint. Drop the knife, Michael! Drop the knife! Drop the knife, Michael! You beat baggage for pleasure. Michael, drop the knife, Michael. Michael, Michael, drop that knife, dude. Just talk, no, we don't want to shoot you, man. We don't want to shoot you, man. Just talk to us, what's going on? What's going on? Get away from the window! Drop, the knife. drop that knife, Michael. Don't, Michael, drop the knife, dude. No. No. Michael, don't. Drop. Don't. Drop. Clearwater 2015, shots fired. <laughs> Two zero one five Clearwater. Shots fired. Stay back. You got cover? I got cover. I've got cover. 
So it starts off by saying, uh, here's a quote from the officer, um, and it's a short video, but it, it, the officer says, guess I'm going to lose my gun again. And that's what the Idaho officer says minutes after fatally shooting a knife building man whose family called authorities uh, for help because uh, he was experiencing a mental health crisis. So the shooting and comments were captured on police-worn cameras, and NBC News obtained the videos through public records request from the Lewiston Police Department. So the agency reviews the fatal shootings or, or shooting of Michael Trappett, 48 years old, at his parents' home on January 31st. And uh, it's a town, Orofino, about 3,100 people. It's north of Idaho. Um, so last month, Clearwater County Sheriff's Office Corporal Brittany uh, Brokop's actions were determined to be justified by the Latah County Prosecuting Attorney. Uh, hold that thought. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, so look, if you spend any time inside an armored vehicle, you know how cluttered that world can be, and the same is true of cruisers. Well, there's a new product line out by Tac Tote that takes advantage of all that steel. Tac Tote's products allow you to store a variety of gear at an arm's reach using magnetic technology. Extra magazines, med kits, less lethal, breaching tools, they all can have a portable magnetic staging solution, just to name a few. And guys, if you're looking to get your patrol cars or your armored vehicles more organized and also to be able to deploy faster, check out tac-tote.com. Well, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. So when talking about this shooting, and of course, you can go to our Facebook page at Leo Roundtable in order to get the link to the video. So we've got Corporal Brittany uh, Brokop as she's... Uh, returned the re regular patrol duty, and it says that uh, she was placed on administrative leave back in February, though. So the deputy, Randall Carruth, he's a second deputy that shot Trappet, our bad guy, was also cleared by the prosecuting attorney and returned patrol duty. So our female also appears to have been cleared of wrongdoing in a 2020 shooting while working for the same sheriff's office. So they kind of, uh, it's kind of almost like a bait and switch. They kind of like bait you a little bit in the beginning of the article saying, you know, with her making a statement, I guess I'm going to lose my gun again. And, uh, but it, it, it really, is to no avail. Um, it says that authorities and prosecutor's office in a neighboring Latah County uh, who reviewed the fatal shooting or January shooting said our bad guy posed a deadly threat when he came within 10 feet of both these cops. He was walking away from both deputies in, in the video, refusing to drop the knife that he had, and he was going around the corner of a building. It's at nighttime, so not really easy to see, but you can clearly see he's got the knife in his hand. He goes around the corner of a building when the deputies follow him, but then he reverses course. He starts approaching the female deputy who's closer to him and uh, he's got the knife raised up in his hand and they both, both the deputies light him up. So, and uh, so he ends up getting shot. So we've got a little over six minutes. Um, anybody want to take this first? Mm. David? Yeah, I'll echo. Um, pretty straightforward. The only options at this point for these officers is walk away, don't be there. Uh, other than that, you have to, deal with this guy. He's got a knife. He starts dancing towards you with it over his head like he's going to stab somebody. Th that's your position. Um, pretty, like I said, pretty straightforward, I think. Thanks, Corporal. Uh, Ward, did you want to throw something in on that or... No. Okay. And you know, you know, so many people, I, I read these uh, stories from attorneys and family members saying, you know, that the cop was not, could not have been in fear of, uh, of, uh, of his life, you know, that the bad guy, you know, was posing no threat to him. But um, a lot of people, they don't realize what the law says. And so look, you don't, that's not what the requirement is. I mean, that's one of the requirements, but it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a catch all. So yeah, you can be in fear of, uh, of, 
death or serious bodily injury. And if it's not you, it can be to somebody else. So this bad guy with the knife, I was kind of curious. I was trying to see where he was going uh, to see whether he was, there was a, a, a little carport there with a couple cars. It was nighttime, but I was trying to see if there's anybody over there or maybe he could have got um, access to other people because that would have totally justified the shoot as well. But another key equation to this is what would a reasonable officer do in the same set of circumstances? So it's not just what you would do, what a reasonable officer would do. So you have, you have all these factors that come into play in justifying or not justifying, you know, this lethal force or deadly force situation. So um, just a lot of people, especially not in our profession, aren't, aren't aware of that. So I wanted to clue you guys in. Thanks to the panel for uh, being here too. Appreciate it. Uh, shout out to our sponsors again, Gauls, Guardian Lines Technologies, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, TAC-Tote.com, Bang Energy for fueling us, and hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week. And also FLG Man, MVS for the support. We appreciate it. <laughs>